Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to the King's House Podcast. We're a non-denominational church located in McAllister, Oklahoma, reaching and serving those in our community and around the world. We believe that church is not something you go to, but a family you belong to. And a house is just a house until the family's there. Then the house becomes a home. So today we want to say, welcome home, as we jump into today's service. King's house. So wonderful to see everyone here today. Isn't God good? Man, God's so good. He's been doing amazing things in our lives. He's been doing amazing things in our church. Who was blessed by the baptism last Sunday? Gosh dang. Amazing. I'm glad that was some holy water because by the end of it, it was some funky water. Like a word for the wise, if you plan on getting baptized in the future, I would try to go first, second, maybe third, not last. <laughs> for real. Uh, no, God's good. Hey, before we dive in today, I want to give one last final push. Uh, the men's retreat is coming up this coming Friday. We've been announcing it. I have called you. I have texted you. I have stalked you. I have done everything in my power. I have to turn in numbers tomorrow because we got to order food. So, guys, it's going to be an amazing time. Go to the Church Center app. Go to the website, kingshouse.church. Sign up for the men's retreat. Uh, it's going to be an incredible time of fellowship. Uh, it's going to be an incredible time of doing man stuff, blowing up Tannerite and shooting guns and skeeting. Yes, manly things are going to be happening. But it's also going to be an incredible time of, of God doing some deep work in our lives. Some of you wives need to be elbowing your husbands in the ribs really hard right now because Jesus needs to get a hold of some of them. No, really, guys, it's going to be an amazing time. So i got to turn in numbers by tomorrow. So please go register for the men's retreat today. You're not going to regret it, I promise you. We're on part two today of this brand-new series called Rethink Church. Last week, I challenged you to be the church. And, and we started with this passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, which really Peter does an incredible job of describing who and what the church is. If you put that passage up there for me, gentlemen. 1 Peter chapter 2, but you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings and a spiritual nation, set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. Who in this room has experienced that marvelous light? Thank you, Jesus. And now he claims you as his very own. It's incredible. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. That's our job. For at one time you were not God's people, but now you are. At one time you knew nothing of God's mercy because you hadn't received it yet, but now you are drenched with God's mercy. Do I have a witness in the congregation this morning? I have been drenched with God's mercy and grace and compassion, and he, and he keeps drenching me in it every single day. I am so thrilled, but this is what the church is. This is what the church is supposed to be. Listen, the church is not a social club. 
The church is not a network. The church is not a way to further your career. This is the body of Christ. The church is not a place. It's not a building. The church is a people. You this morning, you are the body of Christ. And we have a job to do. A humongous job. We see this job in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. We went over this last week too. Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, as you go. This is, I know, written 2,000 years ago, but it's still for you in this room today. As you go into all the world, as you go to work, as you go to school, as you drop your kids off at practices, as you go to Walmart, as you go throughout life into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a big job, Pastor Mark. Man, it's a, the entire human race. It's our job to make sure that they hear this glorious gospel, this glorious hope. You might be surprised to know today that the church has existed for 2,000 years since Jesus was on the earth and crucified and ascended into heaven. That was the day that the church, the church has been around for 2,000 years. It might also interest you to know that 2,000 years later, there are still two billion people who have never heard the gospel message with a b billion it's huge <laughs> two billion people have not heard the gospel message many of those people have never even heard the name of jesus christ never even having the opportunity to experience salvation his love his forgiveness all the things that we just enjoy we've been bought into this family never even heard the name of jesus christ two billion people friends we can continue to do the same thing that we've always done and hope that somehow some way we're going to get a different result which is the definition of insanity, to do the same thing over and over and expect something different to have. We can continue to have church like we've always done it, continue to do things like it's always been done, but 2,000 years later, 2 billion people have not heard the gospel. I think it's time to rethink church. I think it's time maybe to rethink our strategy of what in the world are we doing. Again, this isn't a social club. This isn't a museum for the righteous. It's supposed to be a hospital for the sick. You're supposed to be touching lives. I said you are supposed to be touching lives. That's your job. It's not Pastor Mark's job to change this city. Your job to change this city. It's time that we rethink church. The title of my message this morning is Comfortable with Uncomfortable. Comfortable with Uncomfortable. Uh, back in December, as I was praying for this new year, 2021, God gave me two very clear instructions of things he wanted to, me to accomplish this year. I've been diligent in doing those things. The first thing God instructed me to do was to challenge you to encourage you to go deeper in God, to step on your toes, to, to, to help you get those roots deeper in him. That way when the winds start to blow and the storms start to come, your foundation is built on the rock and the devil can huff and puff, but if your foundation's on Jesus, he won't be able to blow your house down. That's what I've been trying to do. There's a storm going on in the world and you have to know who you are in God 
And you have to let those roots go down into God's word and that firm foundation. I have been challenging you to have a real relationship with God, preparing you for persecution that is 100% coming to this nation. It's coming to this nation. It will be frowned upon, spoken out against, persecuted to stand on the truths of God's word in this nation. I'm not some doom and gloom preacher. I have an incredible hope living inside of me. I believe that greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. But I also have spiritual eyes and see that times are changing in this world and you have to be rooted and grounded in God's word. If you're going to be able to be who God's called you to be in this season, we need to go deeper. Yes. The second thing God challenged me to do this year is to normalize those things that maybe aren't normal. To help normalize the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He challenged me to make those things part of our everyday culture, to normalize some of those things because we need those things in our lives. Just because something isn't normal to you, friends, does not make it abnormal. No, you really need to get a hold of this this morning. Just because something's not normal to you doesn't mean that it's abnormal or wrong, right? Listen, I grew up and we ate meat and potatoes. That's what we eat. Man stuff. And vegetables were fried potatoes and corn on the cob. That was vegetables, okay? And if we were, you know, going to get out of the box a little bit, then those fried potatoes became mashed potatoes, and they were drenched in gravy. Not a little bit of gravy, drenched in gravy. Like, that was vegetables for me growing up. And every now and then, my mom would feel extra healthy, and I wouldn't eat them, but she would make this bowl of green beans. And then she would take an entire stick of butter, put them in the green beans, and here's your healthy food, kids, right? That's how I grew up. And then I married Erica Hennen. And I come home from work and she's preparing cauliflower and radishes and she makes herself sandwiches out of cucumbers. Cuts the cucumbers. This is abnormal. This is not normal for me. But just because it's not normal for me doesn't make it wrong. It's just very different and very abnormal. Are you with me? Come on, somebody. We're in Pittsburgh County. Where's my meat and potatoes crowd? Listen, I might be one of the most unflexible people on planet Earth. This is true. Well, I, I can hardly sit uh, Indian style, crisscross applesauce. Like, if I pull my legs up and I take my elbows and try to smash them down, I can maybe sit this way for a couple, but right now it feels like my hip flexors are about to rupture. I mean, I can't, I can't sit that way. I'm not flexible, okay? I can't touch my toes, all right? Look, that's as close as I can get. Again, it feels like my hamstrings are tearing. I cannot. So I have one or two options in this scenario. I can say, well, I can't touch my toes, so obviously uh, God doesn't desire for us to touch our toes. We were not created to touch our toes because my experience says I can't touch my toes, so obviously God doesn't want us touching our toes. Or I can say maybe I am designed to touch my toes, and I just need to be stretched a little bit. 
Are you with me this morning? Maybe I just need to get comfortable with being a little bit uncomfortable. Because I think that if I practiced and if I forced myself to start stretching and being uncomfortable, I feel within a matter of weeks that I could probably touch my toes. The problem is we let our experiences dictate our belief system when we're supposed to let our belief system be dictated by the word of God. And if the word of God says something is for me and possible for that means it is regardless of my experience, far be it from the uh, omnipotent creator God to do something outside of, of the realm of my experience. Like, how dare he? But I don't know that if you realize this, he doesn't need your permission in the way that he decides to move and speak. He does what he does, and you get in alignment with what he says is true about us. So I feel like it's my job to challenge you, to help stretch you. One of the most incredible things I think about the King's House, and let me be extraordinarily honest with you, like I am so biased. I truly believe this is one of the most amazing churches on planet Earth. I believe that. Like it's not just something I do. I've been in a lot of churches in a lot of places. It is so special what God has done here. It is. The culture is so incredible. The people are so incredible. I hear pastors telling horror stories about all the hell they go through. I cannot relate to that. You're wonderful. I mean, really, I, I mean, I love you. I would do anything for you. I have done so much, and I would do it all over again. You are so worth it. But one of the most incredible things I think about the King's House is this incredible conglomeration, this mosaic of people that call this place home from every walk of life, from every background, from every social status, from every financial status. I mean, you, from every denomination, we come in this place and we're family. And it's so incredible because in this room, as the body of Christ, as the family that, that God has put together, we're not Baptist, we're not Pentecostal, we're not Catholic, we're not Methodist, we're not Presbyterian. We have people from all those walks of life here today. We're Christians. We're Christians. And as Christians, our job should be, what does the word say? What does the word say? That's what I'm going to base my beliefs off of. That's how I'm going to allow God to stretch me. What does the word, not what have I been taught. Can I be honest with you? I've been taught a lot of nonsense. Let me reiterate that I have been taught a lot of nonsense. I mean nonsense. It's taken me years for God to walk me out of some of those things. But as I read this word, we got to say, forget what we've been taught, forget what we've been indoctrinated with. What does the word say? It's not rocket science, right? Let me tell you what the word says about us in Acts chapter 1 8. I'm dry this morning. But I promise you this the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power. And you will be my messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, the distant provinces, even the remotest places on earth. The Spirit will come upon you, and he will give you power, but not just so you can say, hey, I have power. Yay, look at me. Woo! He gives you power to be a messenger. Look at your neighbor and say, power to be a messenger. Put your dollar bills away. In here. Pow. God said, take the gospel to every human being. 
This is a massive job. We already talked about this. An incredible commission that we've been working on for 2,000 years. God wants us to finish up this commission. At some point, you realize that. He wants every creature to hear the gospel. That's his goal. That's his heart. Well, he didn't just send us out into the world with this incredibly huge commission. Well, good luck, guys. It'd be about as silly as someone saying, hey, build me a skyscraper. I mean, an Empire State Building. And here's a hammer. And here's a couple nails. And here's a handsaw. Good luck, kids. It would never get accomplished. Never. He didn't just send us out into the world like that. He sent us into the world with tools, with gifts, with power that's going to enable us to be his messengers. Are you with me this morning? Man, I'm not stepping on toes, but I want to challenge you throughout this series to rethink church. He's given us tools so we can be his messengers. He lists off these gifts that he gave us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, if I brought to you a gift that was all wrapped up with a pretty little bow on it this morning and say, hey, Sienna, I got this just for you. And Sienna took the gift and threw it back in my face and said, no, thanks, loser. I don't want it. Like no one in their right mind would do that. Is there, have you ever thought of a time where a gift is a bad thing? No, it's a gift. Of course you want it. Listen, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. That's talking to you this morning. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Thank you, Jesus. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. I know that this might not be normal. It might not be familiar, but that doesn't make it abnormal or wrong, friends. It doesn't. What should our response be to these gifts? The response to these gifts is found in the same book, 1 Corinthians, but chapter 14. And I want to press pause for just a second because I don't think there's any coincidence of how Paul wrote this out as the Holy Spirit gave him. And I would invite you to go home and read these three chapters this week, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. Listen, the incredible thing about 12 is that he tells us all about the gifts of the Spirit to help each other, for this great commission to give us power to be messengers. That's number 12. Number 14 is all about the application of these gifts and what that should look like and played out in real time. But sandwiched between 12 and 14 is an incredible chapter all about the love of God and what real love should look like. 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. That's not a coincidence because love has to be the centerpiece of the gospel message. It has to be. It has to be sandwiched between. Gifts are important. He gave them to us for a reason. But we need the love of Jesus. Listen, if we have the gifts of the Spirit and they're operating outside of the love and the compassion of Jesus, it turns into a mess. And I can tell you all about it from experience. It can turn into an unhealthy mess in a hurry. That's why 1 Corinthians 14 starts like this. Follow the way of love. 
The New Living Translation says it like this. Let love be your highest goal. Your highest priority. Love has to be our highest goal, our highest priority. But this is what the scripture says. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Eagerly, this needs to be our response today. Eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. I want to break down what this word eagerly desire means. Because this needs to be our response. You need to understand it. Eagerly desire, eagerly means enthusiastic or impatience. I mean, you want it. You're enthusiastic, keenly expecting. You're expecting these things. You're desiring these things. You want these things. The word desire, the Greek word is whatever, however you think you pronounce that. It starts with a Z. It means to covet, to be jealous over, to be zealous for. This isn't just some casual like, man, that'd be pretty nice to have a spiritual gift. No, friends, be jealous for it, coveting for it, eagerly desiring. I want these gifts in my life. Why would Paul tell us to eagerly desire these things if they weren't available to us? Like he's not just holding a carrot in front of us like, come on, almost there. Those commercials with the dollar bill hanging down, you know, with the fishing pole, (laughs) almost got it. That's not how the Holy Spirit is. If he wants us to eagerly desire these things, it's because those are things are available for you to have. Are you with me? Let's go back to that verse. Next verse. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit especially. Look at your neighbor and say especially. Especially prophecy. This isn't Mark words. This is straight out of the scripture. Go read it. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. This is what Paul said. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but... I would rather have you prophesy. This is obviously massively important for our lives today. Would you agree with that, King's House? What is the purpose of prophecy? It's very simple. It's scary when you read the Old Testament and uh, you hear about prophets like Ezekiel and you hear prophets like Jeremiah and God told Ezekiel to lay on his side for so many days and cook his food over poop and then flop over and on his other I mean like craziness going on that's not what I'm talking about you got that slide fellas the purpose of prophecy we having computer issues this morning here we go here's the purpose of prophecy I'm gonna lay it out for you it's not weird it's not scary it's nothing you should be afraid of the purpose of prophecy is to strengthen to encourage to comfort to bring about confirmation, and to be effective at evangelism, which is what your job is, right? As you go into all the world, he's going to give you power to be his messengers. That's the, that's the five purposes of prophecy, to strengthen, encourage, comfort, bring confirmation, and effective at evangelism. That begs the question this morning, what is prophecy? What is it? If this is the purpose of it, what is prophecy? It's very simple. Again, it's not weird. It's not scary. I can tell you all sorts of stories, 
It's none of those things. It is hearing and relaying a message or the heart of God to an individual. That's all it is. You hear God, he gives you a message, or you feel his heart for a person or a situation, and you're obedient to relay that message. It is an incredibly powerful gift and tool that Paul said if we're going to desire any spiritual gift, which we should, we should desire all of them, but if you're going to desire one, desire prophecy because it strengthens, it encourages, it comforts, it brings confirmation, it makes us more effective at what our job is, evangelism. Let me give you some practical illustrations this morning because some of you are looking at me awful weird, like, God, why did I come to church this morning? I was um, between the sixth and seventh grade, and my brother was changing schools, and I was diligently praying, God, what is your plan for my life? You know that's a prayer that we should pray regularly, right? God, what is your plan for my life? And I was praying, should I change schools? I would be leaving the public school, going to a private school. So I'm just praying, praying, and praying. I felt in my heart that I was supposed to leave. I just knew in my spirit that God had something for me. I knew that he was setting me apart, that I needed to, to get away from some of those things in my life because God had something different for me. I knew those things, but I was just wrestling with it. Even, even as a 12, 13-year-old kid, just wrestling with these decisions. I knew it was a big decision. We have church on a Sunday night, and after church, they have an altar call, and I just go to the altar to pray. I just, I'm just seeking God. I'm trying to get God's direction. And Justin and Rachel Crawford's mom, Kay, comes up to me at the altar. She places her hand on my shoulder. She says, Mark, I was just back there praying, and I, I heard the Lord speak something to you. I mean, the Lord wants to tell you something. I said, great. What, what is it that the Lord laid on your heart? She said, I just sense that God's calling you to be like Samuel, that for a season he's setting you apart, that for a season he's asking you to step out of where you are because he has something different. He has something more for you. God wants to do something in your life, but he's asking you to be set apart for a season. In that moment, I just thought, oh my God, those are exactly the things that God was speaking to my heart. That was direct confirmation. She didn't come up, she didn't know the situation. She had no clue, she's just back there minding her own business. I knew that night, it's not like she came up and said, Mark, and then change schools, go to the prize. But I knew that brought confirmation. God's telling me to change schools. God's telling me that he's setting me apart, that he has a plan and a purpose for my life. And because of that, he, he orchestrated all these other events where I met men like Chris Ballou, who ministered here a few weeks ago who inspired me, who challenged me, who, I mean, that one decision led to all these other decisions to where God was meeting with me and, and revealing to me his plan and his purpose for my life. And if I hadn't have made that first decision, then I wouldn't be standing here today because that set in motion all these other decisions. It's so important to hear the voice of God in those situations. And I met this man who ministered here, Chris Ballou. He became so influential because of him. I learned piano because of him. I realized God wants me to be a worship leader. I mean, just my life would have been so different if it hadn't been for God speaking to me. So Chris is this important part of my life, and Eric and I get married. And we're married for a few years, and God blesses us with this beautiful redheaded daughter named Melody. She's wonderful. Life is great. But Erica was so sick. Pregnancy was rough on her. Bad, bad, bad. At one point, Erica's six or seven months pregnant. She weighs 89 pounds. 
I mean, she's throwing up every 30 minutes. Like, I'm going home from work every day. It's, it's, we had a beautiful, healthy daughter, but I knew, like, uh, we're probably not going to do that again. Like, I'm not asking for another kid. It was nine months of, it was rough. Well, one day, Eric and I had moved houses, and it's hot, and I'm in a bad mood, and it's dirty, and I'm carrying all these boxes up a ladder into an extremely hot attic. I'm upset because I think these boxes need to go in the dumpster, but for some reason, my wife says, we need to keep these boxes. They must be important. I'm in a bad mood. I'm not praying. I'm not being spiritual. I'm walking up a hot ladder carrying boxes I don't want to be carrying, and I hear the voice of the Lord, and he says to me, I'm going to give you a son. As if I was talking to you today, God said, I'm going to give you a son. He is going to be highly favored of men, highly favored of God. His name will be mighty. Whoa, I mean this. I didn't tell anybody that experience because I didn't want people to think I'm out of my mind. Like that's not something you just get on Facebook and black. I just heard an audible voice from the Lord and he spoke like, come on. I just hit that in my heart like, okay, God. Probably two years goes by, and I'm downstairs in my basement. We're living in Missouri. I'm downstairs in my basement. I'm praying. I'm seeking God. It's a brutal time in my life. But I hear God speak to me in the basement today. He says, it's time for you to have a son. I said, well, that's fantastic, but you're going to have to tell Erica. I'm not poking that bear, okay? That's great. You tell her, almighty. Um, so a few days goes by, and Erica and I are sitting around the living room. We're having dinner. Erica says, Mark, I got to tell you something. God spoke to me today, and he said, it's time for us to have another child. I said, oh, oh, well, he told me the same thing two or three days ago, babe. I believe you. The very next day, we left for a youth retreat. We were living in Missouri. We come to a youth retreat in, in Eufaula. We have a great time. All these leaders from all over. God shows up. It's wonderful. It's great. Chris Ballou's there. After the retreat, Chris Ballou comes up to us. He says, guys, I've never done this to anybody ever, but God won't leave me alone. And this is going to sound crazy. And if, if I'm wrong, just say I'm wrong. But God's been speaking to me all weekend that it's time for you guys to have another kid. He's going to give you a son. So all of a sudden, all that fear and all that anxiety of like, what's this next pregnancy going to be like? God gives us this beautiful confirmation because that's what the gift of prophecy does. It brings confirmation, Right? And for years, I thought, like, man, God must have a really special call on Sawyer's life. I mean, he went through a lot of trouble. Now I think that maybe he's going to put me through so much hell over the next few years that I needed this confirmation. You know what I'm saying? Oh, help me, Jesus. So it encourages, it strengthens, it brings confirmation. It's also an, an incredible tool for evangelism. My senior year of high school, I lived in the, my parents had a little uh, apartment by the pool, and I lived out there because I just played piano all hours of the day and all hours of the night, like, Mark, you gotta, we gotta get rid of you. So I was walking from my parents' house out to my little apartment, and I'm just walking along by my own business, and I hear the Lord speak to me. I'm not praying. I just hear God speak to me. He says, I had a great friend named Matt. He says, when Matt comes, tell him that I'm the only thing that will fill that empty spot in his heart. Okay, it seems extraordinarily random, but I go to my room, I go to bed, I go to sleep. About one o'clock in the morning, someone's knocking on my door. Guess who it is? It's Matt. And he comes in and he's upset and he's distraught and he's crying and I'm just, instantly the Lord reminded me what he spoke. And I said, listen, Matt, the only thing that's gonna fill that empty spot in your heart is Jesus. You need to surrender your life to Jesus. And right there in that pool room, 
me and Matt, we're like 17 and 18 years old. I lead Matt to Christ. He gives his heart to Jesus right there in that room. He's still serving God today. What if God, what if I didn't hear God say that? He'd have been knocking on my door at midnight, one o'clock in the morning, and I'd have been upset. Dude, I'm sleeping. Please go home. But it's not. He gave his heart to the Lord because of that. I was working hospice. I did that for four years before I came to the king's house. Loved it. Loved it. Got to see so many salvations and God do so many beautiful things. I'm sound asleep one night, and I have this dream. And in this dream are these huge block letters. I mean, they're big, and they're flashing in my face. And it said, Charles, Charles, Charles. It said his last name. I won't tell you his last name. But Charles, Charles, Charles B was what his last name started with. Charles B, Charles B, like flashing, like and it startled me. I woke up, and I'm just like kind of cold sweat, like, whoa, what was? I don't know who Charles B. is. Never met the man, but you knew God was in it. So the next day I go to work, and I'm sitting in the secretary's office, and on the board of the secretary's wall is everybody who's a hospice patient. Now, if you didn't want to see a chaplain, the chaplain doesn't go to your house. So I only knew about half of these people. On the board, Charles B., there he was. Never met the man. Okay, God. Interesting. About that time, a little lady walks in. Her name's Sarah B. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I'm putting two to two together a little bit. I said, Sarah, you wouldn't happen to know Charles, would you? Yeah, he's my husband. He's out in the car. I said, would it be possible for me to go say hi to Charles? Sure. I went out there and just introduced myself. Hey, Charles. I'm Mark, and I would love the opportunity to come, just come sit and visit with you someday. He says, you're not going to preach to me, are you? I said, no. Just want want to hang out, man. So he does. The next day, he let me come over. And before I left that day, Charles had given his heart to Jesus. Yeah. Two days later, Charles leaves this earth and goes to spend eternity in heaven. What would have happened to Charles if God didn't speak to me? What would have happened to him? If God hadn't spoken to me, that woman would just been another lady coming in the office. God cared enough about a man who had nothing to offer that he went to extreme lengths because he cared about his soul. He wanted to spend eternity in heaven with Charles. This isn't just hocus pocus stuff. It's not scary, it's not weird, it shouldn't be intimidating. These are gifts, these are tools that we should eagerly desire because we have a big job to do. And we can't do it in our own strength and we can't do it in our own ability and we can't do it on our, we need the Holy Spirit to give us power to be his messengers if we're really gonna affect and change this world around us. Five years ago, uh, right before I moved to the King's House. May 1st will be my five-year anniversary here at the King's House. I was working for, yeah, man, what a crazy five years it's been. At the time, I was working uh, contract work for Hobby Lobby, and I flew all over, and I would speak and pray and act important, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I was in the airport in Chicago, and I'm minding my own business, and this bizarre-looking hippie lady approaches me, and... Instantly, again, I'm, God meets me all the time when I'm not being spiritual. I don't know what it is. But my first reaction is like, oh, sweet God. 
Like, she got lost on a rainbow in the 70s and she never found her way home. Like, this lady. And the words out of her mouth was, uh, young man, God spoke something. He, God spoke something to me and he wants to speak to you. And again, being so spiritual and full of faith, I just thought, good grief. Like, here we go. Weirdos just magnetized to me. It doesn't matter where I go. I'm just a weirdo magnet. She said, God spoke to me, and she, God said that you were in the middle of a transition period, that you're moving away from home, and God's placing you somewhere else. You have my attention, weird hippie lady. I'm listening. <laughs> she said, God wants you to know that he, you, you are in his will, that he's sending you on purpose. And because you've been faithful to sow in so many other places, he's sending you to a place. Although you haven't sown in this place, you are going to reap in this place. She said, I see a tsunami of salvations about to crush in on the place that God is sending you. Just know that God is sending you and he is with you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And when I came to the king's house, it sure enough felt like a tsunami. It wasn't one full of souls and salvations, like a tsunami I was drowning in. But I've held on to that word and I have fought for that word. And God's done incredible things. We had 20 people baptized last week. We've had over 300 salvations the last two years. God's moving. But listen. I feel like that's like a nice little ripple that's already happened. Like that's a pretty decent wave. I'm not complaining about 300 plus salvations, but it's not a tsunami. And this is what I know this morning, King's House, that what God is about to do here is going to be so much bigger than what we've ever dreamt, ever imagined. We are going to see a tsunami of salvations. God wants to move in this place. It's bigger than McAllister. God wants to use you to affect change on such a broad scale. That tsunami is going to happen, not because Mark's going to do something so mystical or magical, shoot lightning bolts, none of that. This is so much bigger than Mark. Thank you, Jesus. A tsunami is going to come when the body of Christ realizes that I'm called to ministry. A tsunami is going to realize when the body come when, when, when the body of Christ realizes I am the church. God's calling me to be the church. When you realize like I have power, I have authority, I have gifts. When you start affecting change everywhere you go, then change happens in here in a massive way. And then those people cause change, and those people cause change. And all of a sudden, what God started is something small in a room of 300 people turns into something astronomical. And we just sit back and say, my goodness, God, you are so great. That's what God wants to do. He wants to use you. You're the church. And he's given you power to be his messenger. Stop waiting for Mark and Blake and Chris and whoever else. Man, those guys are doing great. Go for it, guys. Yeah. You're not cheerleaders. You're not, you're not called to be a cheerleader. You're called to be an active participant in the body of Christ. There's people that only you can reach that I will never, ever reach. The kingdom of God needs you, King's House. Isn't God good? So we already announced it, Inspire Meetings. What's Inspire Meetings? That's where we're going to give God and you an opportunity 
to be strengthened, to be encouraged, to be comforted, to have confirmation, for you to receive power, to be his effective evangelist. Next Sunday night, we are assembling, Sunday night and Monday night, assembling an incredible group of people that don't know you. That's the best parts. And we're just going to give them opportunity to pray for you, to pray for your family, and just see what God wants to say to you. It's my commission. We have to normalize things that need to be normal. The gift of prophecy should function every day, everywhere you go, every church service. If we're going to desire anything, it should be that. And that's not what Mark says. That's what the Bible says. So I want to challenge you. Be here next Sunday night. Be here next Monday night. We're going to send out further instruction of how to sign up and all. I mean, there's all the legalities of it. But, man, come expecting next week for God to do something incredible in your life. God speaking to me through prophecy at different points in my life has changed the trajectory of my life. I wouldn't be here today without it. You need God speaking clearly in your life. You need it. God, I love you so much. God, thank you for the opportunity to teach your word today. God, I I know it wasn't normal sermon, normal preaching like what we're used to, but God, these are incredible principles that we need. Holy Spirit, open up our hearts to receive these things. Holy Spirit, help us to get comfortable being uncomfortable. If we can't touch our toes, Holy Spirit, help to stretch us, to get us ready, to make room for what it is that you want to do in our lives and in this church. God, help us to get out of the daggum box and start to rethink what church is supposed to look like. Jesus, we love you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, I love you, King's House. Hey, uh, discipleship classes Wednesday night. See you there. God bless you. Thanks for joining our podcast today. If you are ever in need of prayer or wish to speak to a pastor, please email us at info at thekingshouse.church. And if you would like to give towards the ministry of the King's House, you can do so by visiting our website, thekingshouse.church giving, or you can text any dollar amount to the number 84321 and simply respond to the prompt sent back to you. If you're ever around the area and want to visit, we meet every week at 124 V. Huber Smith Drive in McAllister, Oklahoma. You can even plan your visit ahead of time where you can reserve your seat your parking spot, and even pre-check in your kids before arriving on the Sunday of your choice. Just fill out the quick form at thekingshouse.church slash plan your visit. Hey, we know life is busy, so be sure to click that subscribe button so you can catch all our latest messages, and we look forward to seeing you soon.